You're listening to a Bored to Death Mando cast, talking Disney Plus's show, The Mandalorian, in easily digestible chunks. Hello again, ladies and gentlemen, and other assorted gender assignations. Welcome to the Bored to Death Mando cast. I am Jay, being joined by Chris. And we're here for chapter 12 of The Mandalorian. Uh, while the. Uh, Disney Plus doesn't list the n- titles of the episodes from stuff I've seen online today. This is called The Siege. And the blurb just reads, The Mandalorian rejoins old allies for a new mission. And the picture is Grief Karga. And Cara uh, <clears throat> Dune's actress. Uh, uh, Gina Corral. Gina Corral. I'm horrible with names. Yeah, same. <laughs> uh, she posted a selfie of her relaxing... On the set, and you know, you could see the green screen and everything in the background, and her just like laying down on the set, mm-hmm. in full costume still, uh, basically saying, you know, like, hey, I'm back for the next episode of mm-hmm. uh, The Mandalorian. And meanwhile, our droid in the background just woke up for some reason. Ignore that. Vex will go back to sleep at some point. Anyway. Uh, well, well, the words of The Mandalorian never trust a droid. <laughs> <laughs> well, except he's learned that you can, actually. As long as it's programmed, right? <laughs> yeah, this is true. Uh, so last episode, uh, we got to meet Bo-Katan again. Oh, um, and I, 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 I don't think we mentioned this in the last episode, but apparently, uh, the again, for both names, mm-hmm. the woman who plays her yep. is also her voice actor. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I had forgotten that as well. Um, and so uh, that was just another thing. Well, not only that, they clearly patterned how she looked in Clone Wars and Rebels off of the actress herself. So that makes it even better. Yeah. So um, now I'm I, honestly I'm hoping that Ahsoka is in this episode. If not, next episode. <clears throat> yeah. Um, my guess is, since it deals with Grief Karga, I'm assuming that Mando heads back to Navarro, maybe hoping he can use his connection with Grief to... Can you fix my ship? Because <laughs> knows he needs it. Yeah, because the man, because the because the Mon Cal- Calamari just literally just it's, lashed it together with rope and netting. It's, well, it's 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 like what one of my old managers said when we were trying to keep our old store afloat in terms of staying in business. Mm-hmm. He said we were literally holding the store open with uh, ABC gum and rubber bands and duct tape. That too, because duct tape is like the Force; it has a light side. And it has a dark side, and it holds the universe together. Um, But, yeah. Also, last episode, uh, with Bo-Katan and everything, she, after Mando helped her hijack that Imperial freighter full of weapons, she basically said, go go here, look for Ahsoka Tano, tell her Bo-Katan sent you. (laughs) And it's just like, as we, you know, if you listened to the last last edition of the Mando cast, you heard all three of us, along with Rode, just marking out essentially oh, <laughs> over really? over the name drop of it. Oh, we were we were cheering. <clears throat> yeah, like it's like family. it wasn't in the recording itself, but on the recording we mentioned how we all just started cheering. We and literally clapping. we literally sounded like football fans when just their like, favorite yeah! team scored. <laughs> <laughs> or to because I'm a wrestling fan, it's just sort of like, uh, hey, he mentioned our hometown. Yay! <laughs> we all know the cheap pop. <laughs> yes, we know the cheap pop. Um. But yeah, so we're looking forward to this. Um, 
curious to know what this the siege means, but if he's going back to Navarro, my guess is it's probably the remnant. Quite possibly the remnant. Because they had they were there in force on Navarro. That was some heavy force. That, they don't just they don't just pack up and leave just because a handful of people managed to manage to kick a bunch of their asses. And especially Moff Gideon is not going to forget that. See, and what I want to know is, does Bo-Katan eventually show up later on and get the uh, the Darksaber back? Well, considering that's her personal quest, I'm assuming that she will get eventually get the Darksaber. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be her that gets it off of Moff Gideon. I could foresee it being Mando getting the Darksaber from him. And then with the with the... Basically, it's just sort of like, I should return this to Bo-Katan, because she, she wants it. And she wants to go try to take back Mandalore. I'm suddenly picturing... It's but, like, at the same time, I could see, like, his covert, you know, or the remnants, uh, the, the remaining members of his covert, basically being like, don't give it to them. They are not true Mandalorians. Give it to us. This is the way. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm honestly pi- picturing, in my mind, it's like that scene off of Chronicles of Riddick, where mm. he killed the uh, you the keep leader. what you kill. Yes, where you where he uh, when Riddick killed the I loved, leader. I love the the Riddick movies. <laughs> this the second one, the first two are the best ones. But anyways, yeah. uh, the uh, it's like that scene where uh, Riddick kills the uh, the leader of that group. I can't remember their name. The um, the Lord Marshal. Yes, where he kills him. Colm Fiore. And then all the members of his group bow to Riddick. While I'm picturing the Mandalorian with the saber and... Like all of his covert, like, kneeling. Yes, <laughs> Because that's you keep what you kill. This is the way. <laughs> Someone has spoken. Um, you know, it's... I suspect... I'm. This is just a guess. But given that he was sort of told last episode, and yeah, he didn't take it that well at first... That you're part of a religious cult. <laughs> who, I mean, who, I, I think they mentioned that in, I want to say it was Clone Wars, where it turns out that the on Mandalore, or Mandalorians in general, it's not one single group of people. Like, mm. they all exist in, like, essentially, like, tribes. Mm, clans. Yeah, tribes, clans. clans, whatever. It's most like Native American Indians. I guess. Um, but, yeah, in but it's clear that, you know, Bo-Katan basically being, you know, telling him straight to his face, you know, it's just sort of like, I am a true Mandalorian. I was born on Mandalore. This armor has been in my family for three generations. All her little accolades and basically giving him her bona fides, uh, basically to then, you know, by the end of the episode, they clearly reached a sort of respect for one another. You know, him, you know, her, you know, him respecting her for wanting to take back Mandalore, regardless of whether or not it's cursed like he, like he was taught. Uh, in the covert, um, and you know, and her respecting him because it's just sort of like you may be, you may have been raised by a crazy, crazy cult, but you're a good person, and you're no, you're not like the rest of the members. You're different, I and like and you. it's and it's I got I get the impression that that Mando may be may be learning that the way I've been taught is not the only way. No, that is, or that at the very least, it's possible to still follow the way. While not being so inflexible about things. So, does, so do you think he's going to start taking his helmet off more often? I suspect that's going to be like a once a season sort of thing. Like in the in the season finale, <laughs> you know, it, it he comes gets off. his ass kicked, needs medical treatment, or or, or or who knows? Maybe 
maybe like like I said, if I if it is going to be a case of you know he starts diverting from the the way that the children of the watch have been taught uh that he may take the helmet off as a as a sign of you know i am not following your way anymore i am following my way you know basically sort that runs somewhat parallel to theirs but isn't their way do you think that we're going to see the mandalorians from season one the armorer almost certainly I'm hoping that we get to see the heavy again. Oh God, yes. Uh, who is actually a member of Clan Vizsla? His name is, I think, Paz Vizsla. Huh. I don't like I John just, Favreau just... actually confirmed confirmed that was the name of the character of the character that he provided the voice for. See, I remember. The, I, the, I, the, the I don't remember ever reading his name. I just remember him being known as the heavy because that's literally yeah. Because he's got the big bulkier armor. He's got the big bulkier armor. He's got the heavier like gun. Oh yeah, I mean he gun. he essentially has like yeah he's literally like the heavy we- he is literally the heavy weapons guy of, of uh, the but children guess, of the watch. But I guess he knows not to fly with that damn thing. He'd be horribly off balanced. Well, I mean, I imagine that's something that they are taught when they they learn the way, the way of the rising phoenix. Uh, <laughs> you know, like how to compensate for weapon weight and whatever other equipment they may be carrying. At the most, Mando only ever has. Like his his, his pistol and his rifle, maybe. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And the rifle is actually based and on... And maybe a handful of thermal detonators. Did you know that the, his rifle is actually a... Uh, literally an Easter egg. Uh, and it's basically a reference to the Star Wars Holiday Special. Uh, yes, I have, I, have, I have heard of that. I had to go back and rewatch... It's one of those things that I picked up from watching um, Blind Wave. I, I do watch... Some of their reaction videos, mostly for things that I myself have also seen, so I'm not getting spoiled watching whatever. Um, but as they were pointing out, like all, because they're all huge Star Wars fans, and they were all pointing out all the little references to things like when the Life Day got dropped in the first episode. It's like, especially in the first episode, it's like when Life Day got mentioned, they were all. They were just like, "Oh my God, Life Day!" <laughs> and then when he, and then when they, they got a look at his rifle, they were like, that, that, "That's that's for the holiday special too." They were all they were all sort of geeking out over these things, but at the same time, just like, "I can't believe they're referencing the holiday special." Subtle references, like mm-hmm. like supposedly the holiday special is not actually canon. Yeah, well, they it's do absolutely not. But you know, it's one of it's those things that they can sort of. This is just how Disney does things in uh, in the new Star Wars canon. They'll they'll pick and choose things from the legends or non canon stuff that they're like, that's good. We're gonna we're gonna take that, or at least John Favreau is. Well, John Favreau did meet with George Lucas, yeah. and George Lucas basically gave him like the Bible for Star Wars, the Wikipedia, in book form, <laughs> literally in book form. Um. But yeah, so in case you couldn't tell, as since we've been talking now for like 10 minutes, uh, we're really excited for this episode, so we'll go ahead and pause this here, and we'll be back after the binge. Hey, while we're watching this episode, you should go ahead and toss us a like and subscribe. If you want to reach out, do it via our social media on Facebook or Twitter at BTD underscore BingeCast. The Board to Death Clan is part of the CKCC Radio Podcast Tribe including Jay Bunny's Music Hub, The Race Nerd Podcast, Real Paranormal Talk, Ranking Tracks, Motivational Moves, Girls Who Like, and The Nerd Table. Imperial credits may not be worth much, but remember to support CKCC Radio on Patreon. I have spoken. And we're back. 
So, uh, interesting little episode. They're definitely setting things in motion for the latter half of the season. So, we were right. It uh, was, a, was a case of he had to go back to Navarro for repairs. Which it makes sense since, you know, he probably... I would say he lived there for quite some time since that's where all the other Mandalorians were mm-hmm. holding up. Well, the Mandalorians... Well, they had the covert, like, literally right underneath the, underneath the city. Yeah, and... Um, well, seeing how, like, the, 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 the surface was... Sort of under imperial rule, even though the empire was pretty much is pretty much dead at this point. So all we got right now are remnants. Yep, the imperial remnant, as I, as it's as it was called in some legends continuity stuff in this this time period. Yeah, and that's what I've just taken to calling it as well because this is post Palpatine, but not yet First Order. No. So it's just imperial remnant. It hasn't been organized into the First Order yet. Yeah, they don't really specify when the First Order came into power. Or at least you and I are not aware of when that happened. I'm sure it's probably in one of the novels somewhere. Quite possibly. You know, the, the some of the newer novels probably give us a more concrete timeline on when stuff happened. But whatever, we're not we're not huge geeks about things like like that here. Um we're huge geeks about other things related to Star Wars, but not not too much about the new canon. Um, but the beginning of the episode did have the have the amusing little thing of Mando is trying to trying to talk talk Baby Yoda through helping him repair the ship oh, in God. flight. It's literally a case of I can't squeeze into this. You need to do it. Uh, it's so like has, I need you to t- to plug the red wire to where, where the, the blue, blue wire was, was. And, and Baby's just like. Eh? And, like, and Baby Yoda is just is just sitting there, and he's like, "Do not let the wires touch." And when you tell a character like Baby Yoda not to do something, he's going to do it. Yep, because was, that's what his role is. I was getting some major group vibes from. Uh, oh, you weren't volume, the only one. Well, in Volume Two, when Rocket is trying to tell Groot how to operate the bomb, it's like, he goes like, "Do not press this the button." button. No, I, am Groot. I, I am Groot. Groot. I am Groot. I am Groot. No! <laughs> well, there were other baby baby group moments in the episode, but um, yeah, so it doesn't work. Mando's just sort of like, I guess we're going to have to go get repairs. Well, I mean, Baby Yoda does kind of get the shock of his life. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Uh, um, but yeah, they return to Navarro, where uh, Cara Dune has basically become the marshal for the, for the town. And they've definitely improved the town. It's way more colorful. There's people do, outside do, just doing business and Nobody stuff. Nobody looks miserable. Yeah, I mean, they they were probably there and saw the Empire get its ass kicked by a bounty, by a bounty droid. Sorry, nursing droid. Um, <laughs> and yeah. a Mandalorian and, you know, the Marshal that they now know her as. And Carl Weathers. And Carl Weathers, you know. So, you know, there's, you know, it's a lot happier in town. And Mando touches down. Grief Karga's all happy to see Baby Yoda. <laughs> Oh, everybody's happy to see Baby Yoda. Both of them were happy to see him. Carl Weathers is like, and how are you? And he has, has he been up. taking good care of you? And he, you hear that? He said yes. <laughs> and then he picks him up, and then they start walking into town, and uh, that's when that's when you really start to notice that things have definitely improved mm-hmm. greatly since the Empire left. Um, and one of the things that they added into the place was a school, and that's. The former bar from season one. <laughs> the old Bounty Hunters 
bar. Yeah. Um. So me and it's they like they a, yeah. repaired repaired it. You know, because it got shot up, and then you know a bunch of flames got set on fire. Um. That's a great way to clean something out. Just light it on fire, and then hope for the best afterwards. Yeah, well, basically, and so there's like a protocol droid there, uh, teaching a bunch of bunch of kids and. Grief Karga sets sets Baby Yoda down in a seat and it's just sort of like, you know, sort of reassures Mando. It's like where we're going, we don't want to take take the kid. It's like when the kid goes everywhere with me. Where we're going, you do not want to take this kid. And let's go. And he had a and he had a valid point about that. We'll get to that in a, in a, in a little bit later. But <laughs> there was a great little moment. There was a great little moment. So uh, he's the. Of course, everybody is looking over at Baby Yoda. Like, because like, cuteness proximity. Yes. So, uh, he looks over at the student on his right, and the kid, the kid is eating blue Oreos. Essentially, that's what they were. That's what they look like. I can see the cream filling. Well, they had cream filling. I don't know. But regardless, they were essentially blue Oreos. They just didn't have the little fancy designs on no. them. No. So, maybe they were blue Hydrox. Probably. But anyways, he looks over at the kid, and... You know, kind of holds his hand out. It, like, well, the first he's just watching. The kid just sort of looks at him like, mm. "What?" Yeah, and Baby Yoda just keeps looking at him. When the kid looks back over, Baby Yoda just holds out his holds out his paw, just like, "Ah!" And he's like, does a little vocalization like, "Ah, give you might." <laughs> you gonna share some with me or not? Kid just completely ignores him. Well, no, the kid actually goes, "No." <laughs> yeah. Well, first he tries to ignore him. Then he says, "No." And then looks away, and Baby Yoda uses the force to drag the whole thing over to him, leaves him one. Yeah, and the kid and Baby Yoda just starts happily munching away on them. <laughs> oh, God. And then uh, Mando goes with Karga back to his office, essentially, where the Mithral, the Mithral from the, first the, the very first episode, you know, his his bounty from the beginning of the first episode. He's sitting there and is basically, basically doing clerical work. He's he's employed trying to work off his what was it three hundred fifty year sentence. Well, the um, Grief Karga explained why there was a bounty on him that he that he had worked for for Karga. And that he'd been doing a little bit of illegal uh, siphoning off the books and then ran for it. Which is why he, you know, there was a bounty on him. And now he's got 350 years worth of debt to work off. <laughs> and the Mithral is just, like, terrified to see Mando again. He, he, he like, like from his gills or whatever, just a bunch of mist shot out. We were like, was that him, like, essentially pissing his pants? <laughs> That's gotta be what it was, but... Um, we don't really know enough about his species to know their anatomy. So. Yeah, but uh, then it basically Caradoon and Karga explain what they want Mando's help with. It's things have gotten better on the planet, but there's still an Imperial base on That's, on Navarro that has a skeleton crew. And Karga's just like, if we can get rid of this, then we could turn Navarro into an anchor point for the for trade or commerce for the sector. Which would improve everything for Navarro. We want money. <laughs> Basically. Um, you know, and he's like, and plus if it stays there, then black market is going gonna, is gonna to tr- make a move on the base, is what he th- believes, and take all the weaponry and stuff that's there. And he doesn't want a black, the black market on Navarro. So they basically get the idea to basically... We'll, we'll go in there. It's, we'll uh, overload the reactor. It'll blow sky high. And then that's it. Yeah, easy peasy. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. So they corral the Mithral into driving them out 
to the maintenance hatch essentially in the base uh and he's like complaining along the way and uh Karga's just sort of like you do this and i'll knock 100 years off your debt no he's at 30 well no he started by saying like a, like 100 for going through with all this for the for them but it was like getting him to come along to help be the slicer to like hack through the locks and everything is what got him is like i'll knock another 30 years off your off your deck he's like oh is that all puts the car in park and then gets out and then takes in a a uh, blowtorch blow and then uses that to hack open the uh the elevator door meanwhile mando looks yeah. up at the land port he's like i'll be right back <laughs> flies off with his jetpack a couple minutes later you see a stormtrooper fall off and when they finally make it up there in the in the elevator, everybody's dead. Everybody's dead, Dave. <laughs> um, and so then they basically infiltrate the base, and they're like, "There's more." Well, you more want to tell them what vehicle they saw? Well, yeah, they saw essentially the the uh, the troop uh, the troop transport from well, essentially like an APC. Yeah, what was it from like the 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 two parter at the end of season mm-hmm. one? Yep, when all the uh, when like the hundred first all you know showed up. Or five oh first. Yeah, it's a, it's literally the five oh first that we that you see in mm-hmm. uh, season one because it turns out they didn't have enough stormtrooper costumes, so they so they literally just went to the people that do the, that do the stuff for fun and, and have all their own gear already. Gotta love the five oh first. Yep, gotta love them. Uh, but it was basically one of those, and the Mithrals just sort of like, you know, how much we can get with one of these in the, on the black market, and and Caradun's just like, and it's gonna get destroyed with everything else when the base blows up. And as soon as he called it out, you know, Chris and I looked at each other and were like, that's, that, they're going to use that later. They're going to use that. <laughs> you, don't call, you don't call something out like that specifically unless it's going to be important. And it is. Well, so they go, uh, they make it to the reactor. It's like geothermal stuff. Yeah. And because it's a lava planet, essentially. It's um, not as bad as the planet that Darth Mustafar, Vader was on. Mustafar. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's, there's lava tides and, and shit around this place. Uh, but so they overload the reactor. They're like, "We have ten minutes. Let's. We need to get out of here." But the, to try to avoid the patrols, they end up finding their well. They find their way into what essentially a lab, and they realize this isn't a forward operating base. Like, what is this? And even Carl Weathers is sitting there like, "I honestly didn't even know that this was in here." Yeah. So well, and what they find are tanks. That look almost like cloning tanks. We couldn't quite make out what was inside them. This is just our guess, but we're thinking an early version of Snoke. Because, well, when they get when they arrive in the lab, there's like a couple of technicians there rapidly trying to delete their internet history. Sorry, download all the data. Because <laughs> you know that, that that was their task. They have to they have to download the data and then take it to admin to upload it. I'm making an Among Us reference. <laughs> and then, well. Silver was sus. Yeah, silver, uh, silver was very sus. <laughs> uh, they go and shoot the damn one of the panels, thinking, "Oh, this will definitely do it." Blah 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 blah. But the Mithral basically finds a recording of Doctor Pershing, uh, the client's like science guy from the first season, basically explaining that because so they needed they needed they, they need a force users. Well, well, at the very least, they needed yeah. Well, they needed like a force sensitive <laughs> being's blood for. What something with regards to this mysterious project, and but because it's a baby and Baby Yoda is also very small, he could only take so much without killing him. So and, he took probably like a couple drops, and that was about all. Well, he could take. like a maybe a pint. 
Maybe that's about it. Pretty sure Baby Yoda weighs a pint. <laughs> but regardless, um, Doctor Pershing, you know, like like apologizes, like I won't fail you again, Moff Gideon. And Mando's like, Moff, well, this has to be an old transmission. Moff Gideon is dead. He's like, and yeah. then the Mithril's like, this is three days old. <laughs> and I mean, granted, we know that Moff Gideon is still alive, mm-hmm. but Mando thinks that Gideon he, he, is dead because he cracked because he saw his Tie Fighter go down. He's like, I blew it up. <laughs> no, he saw a crash. It didn't blow up. Well, I mean, no, he you know planted a couple detonators on it. He saw it lose a wing and go crashing into the ground. Not an unreasonable assumption that whoever was inside is dead. Yeah. Or even if they're still alive, they're on a planet that's not going to be friendly to them. He's not going to make it back. Again, not an unreasonable assumption. But so, but it was like seeing this tank with some sort of misshapen body inside it, and um, hearing that they needed the force, they needed like Baby Yoda's blood for some something. I I just turned to Chris and I was like, Snoke. That's, I mean, granted, if you watch the scene and you, let's say if you pause it and you try mm. to make the figure out, I'm not going to lie, because of the way the its chest looked, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was its arm or something else that was bulging out of its chest, but it reminded me of the tyrant from Resident Evil, mm. from the first Resident Evil game. Very, very misshapen and everything, but, um, but after that, they had to, like, they, the, the four of them split up, um, Karga, Kara, and the Mithral go in one go one way. Uh, Mando goes goes another. Mando eventually makes it to the top, makes it top side and just flies off with his jetpack. Yeah, they'll get his ride. Yeah, and they, they did fast work on it. I will say that because it had to have been just what a few hours, probably because we don't know how long it takes to get from. Uh, from essentially Navarro City to, to wherever the base to was. wherever the base is on a land speeder. I don't know the land speeders; they're pretty fast, mm. but I don't know what the top speed is for the land speeders. Probably less than a pod racer. Way less, <laughs> uh, but probably faster than the uh, APC. Well, the APC is a heavily armored. Well, yes, that vehicle. was that's that's my point. But regardless, but then again, they were able to make it. It was probably a lot shorter time than than we think because they were able to make it back to Navarro City in that APC while being chased by TIE fighters in about the same amount of time it probably took them to get there in the uh, in the land speeder. Yeah, uh, and Mando was able to fly back to Navarro back to Navarro on his jetpack. You know, so I'm assuming that it's pro- that it was probably less than a, like an hour or so. Then again, we don't know how long it, how long they needed to basically work, hash out a plan or whatever back at hash out a plan, get there, go do the thing. Regardless, get the out. mechanics did fast work. Yes, uh, and so, uh, but so while Mando goes off, you know, Karga, Kara, and Mithral, you know, basically make it back to the landing pad. But where they're basically pinned down, and then they're like, "APC, let's take it." Uh, so they hop in. She dro- she smashes Mithral's Mithral speeder because <laughs> she just literally like, drove it off. The- he's like, "Is that, was that my speeder?" <laughs> and no, we were like, "It was." <laughs> it was your speeder? 
you know, and so she's driving while uh, Carl Weathers mans the guns, and Mithral is basically just trying to not panic. <coughs> uh, and yeah, they get they're chased by uh, three like uh, scout speeders, and then four Tie fighters, which took off literally before the base exploded. Well, it would have been five speeders, but two of them crashed on the way down because they can't drive for shit either. No. <laughs> <laughs> um. But, you know, and they man- and Karga manages to shoot down one of the TIE fighters, which wasn't easy because, you know, she's take- trying to take evasive action on rocky terrain at the same time while he's trying to keep his guns on a, on a TIE fighter, which has more maneuverability. I mean, it's not like they could just sit still like what the Millennium Falcon did in the first movie. Mm. Well, even then, I don't think the, the Falcon was actually sitting still. They, you know, Han was you know, flying it around, but it's like he needed to get a safe distance away before he could, you know, and he had to make the hyperspace calculations. Yeah. Because, you know, you you don't, you know, as Han put it at the beginning, in the very first Star Wars, it's like, you know, you you have to do the calculations right or you end up jumping straight into the middle of a, into the middle of a star or a black hole. (laughs) And nobody wants that. No. Uh, but you know, we were joking about how it's like how slow the APC was. <laughs> you were like, drive, drive faster, and I'm just like, this is the vehicle's top speed. Like, what, forty miles an hour? <laughs> Come um, on, I've seen school buses. But then faster. Mando literally swoops into the rescue uh, with the repaired Razor Crest and shoots down the uh, shoots the tie down fighter. the tie fighters. And While Baby Yoda is just like, Wee! Baby, Baby Yoda is literally sitting there, <laughs> there and munching and on his blue Oreos. He's literally sitting there munching on the blue Oreos. Holding his arms up like he's on a roller coaster. And like and like giggling and, and having a blast. Mando shoots down the last the last TIE fighter well, the by doing did, like a spiral maneuver. Yeah, he's doing he's essentially barrel rolling his way to the last TIE fighter. The TIE fighter's shooting at him. And, when and they has, can't shoot for shit in a TIE fighter either. It's like he is literally coming in a straight line. He's just spinning. Well, I'm, I'm, blaming, I'm blaming the targeting. Uh, That's true. They, they, the imperial fighters. imperial technology is not the greatest. They they just shoot and, and hope to hit something. It's like their their electronics are not rated for lava. When they set up a base in a lava field, <laughs> they you know their targeting systems are slow and. They don't. There's no OSHA compliance either. <laughs> that was something we forgot to mention when they found the reactor. So I brought up this little reference. So mm. Jay here is not what you want to call a Family Guy fan. Nope. Uh, but, never have been. Never will be. But he knows of the the, the, Star fa- Wars, the Family Guy Star Wars. The Star, specials. The, yeah, and I told him the uh, the one scene in um, the first one in Blue Harvest. About how there was like the two Imperial officers who were like standing there right where where the uh, the beam for the Death Star shoots out, or one of them anyway. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, and how the in the Family Guy version after the beam shoots out and they destroy Alderaan, it shows the two officers sitting there and they're like, "See, I asked them if we could get a guardrail here because like we could we could literally just slip and fall here." You know what they said to me? We could just we could be leaning against it all day, and not doing our jobs. Yeah, but yeah, you know, it's just we commented on the no OSHA compliance, and yeah, and, and we do see it happen to one of the to one of the stormtroopers that Mando shoots because he just he and he gets shot as Mando's escaping, and he just pitches forward into the thermal vent and just goes straight down into the lava. <laughs> well, and then there's all the ones around the landing pad too. Them, them too. 
Uh, but anyway, and Mando, after he takes shoots down the last uh, Tie Fighter, he turns back and is like, "I was." It's like he's, he's it's like, like you all right, kid, and the kid, and the kid just sort of like you know, and Baby Yoda then just bleh, just throws up right blue there. blue Oreo ju- gunk like all over himself, and, and Mando just goes. And oh, the first boy. thing that we thought it was Baby, <laughs> Baby Groot in uh, Volume Two in of volume Guardians. Two, yeah, where Baby Groot threw up after uh, like all the hyper jumps that they had to do. Yeah, it was like thirty or something. Like yeah, that. it's just like everybody was like thro- was like throwing up and and being sick. But Baby Groot's just sitting there with like a sort of a blank expression, just goes. Bleh. It just flows out. It just flows. And Mando takes his cape and is trying to like clean the kid up. And uh, you know, Cargo's just sort of like you know. Will you let, at least let me buy you a drink? And he's like, I, how can I repay? He's like, well, why don't we just call it, call it even for the repairs to the ship? And he's like, can you at least let me buy you a drink? He's like, I got a little bit of uh, maintenance I got to take care of in the air. <laughs> Onboard maintenance is what he said. That. And that's when he's sitting there cleaning up Baby Yoda. And then, you know, it's like, and at that point, I'm just think, thinking, okay, we've wrapped up the episode, but there's like ten minutes left. So wh- how, why, how, what else could there be? Well, there, there, there was a police report that needed to be filed. Mm-hmm. Because, well, there, there was a base that blew up on the, <laughs> on the planet, and lo and behold, there's Carson uh, from uh, episode two of the season. I mean, one of the X-wing pilots. You know, hit, we saw two X-wings parked outside of Navarro and. There he is, essentially like the beat cop taking a taking a statement. I have this gut feeling that they're going to get involved a lot more mm-hmm. as this uh, show is going on for this season. Well, they're definitely building up to something, some sort of confrontation between uh, the New Republic and probably Mando, because we've learned that there's a warrant out for his arrest after the prison transport thing. Even from, though he did help bring in what was it four new three, pri- three new prisoners that were actually wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and well, the guy's like taking taking his rep- the report, and Karga's just sort of like I, you know, just he's set, you know, just sort of like I don't know what happened out there. And uh, Carson makes some sort of thing, is and that's and it was after that the Razor Crest left, and he he just goes, I never said anything about any Razor Crest. <laughs> it was clearly you know him trying to fish for information, and he wasn't doing a very good job of it. But after you know, he's just. But Cargo's like, if I get any more information, I'll you know, I'll call you, sort of thing. Well, he Carson strolls outside where uh, you know he bumps into to Kara and he tries to. Essentially, he tries to recruit her to the New Republic, and she's just she just goes, "I'm not a joiner," and I'm just thinking, bullshit. <laughs> she just doesn't want to get involved with. Them. Well, no, she explained last season to Mando why she left the New Republic. It's just that after the Empire fell, she was instead of like going out and kicking ass, she was being used to like protect like VIPs and stuff. And she's like, "That's not what I signed on for." And you know, you know, he still basically is like, you know. He clearly had looked up her record and was like, "You're from Alderaan, huh?" So who, did, you know, did you lose anyone in the war? And as soon as he asked that question, I'm like, "It's like the whole planet blew up." <laughs> I'm just like, he asked that, you know, he pointed out she's from Alderaan, and then he asks, "Did you lose anyone?" And I'm, I turned to Chris, I'm like, "She's from Alderaan, which isn't there anymore." <laughs> it's just like, 
bunch of space dust at this it's point. Well, she then basically gives him this look like, I lost everyone. It's like, what kind of a stupid question was that? Like, maybe she, maybe, like, somebody that she, maybe, like, yeah, I, I get, I get it. You know, he was he was trying to he was trying to sympathize with her, yeah. which he was, which he was, or he was trying to reach, you know, trying to reach out to her, and she's just sort of like, no, no, not happening. But you know, he does he does basically uh, comment that you know he lost people too, you know, and he was like, I fought fought during Alderaan, and I guess there was a battle around Alderaan during the war at some point, probably after it blew up, but possibly. <clears throat> Regardless, uh, he left essentially like his service medal there for before he walked off, you know, because it had like the little like colored stripes on it, like you would normally see like on a uniform. I did see that. So you know, it's just like he, but he left it there for, and then and then and then left, and she, you could tell she was having some second thoughts about whether or not she wanted to sign on or not, because you know he basically pointed out it's like. Something's going on out here because there's been a number of connected incidents that you know, or a number of incidents he's like that he doesn't believe have been random, you know, and that they're all connected. He's like something is happening out here. We can't do anything here out on the outer rim without local support, which was something that uh, earlier in the episode Karga had basically commented on. That it's like the New Republic should just leave the outer rim alone or something. Uh, it was it was after like Mando explained, you know, well. The, Cargo had commented on the on his ship. It's just sort of like I had a run in with the New Republic, and he's like, I don't know why they don't just leave the new, the outer rim alone. The Empire couldn't couldn't keep it under control. What what makes them think they're they're going to be any different? Which, you know, it's, it's good to see them acknowledging some of the on the ground things. Go, you know, in the in the Star Wars universe, as I said, small scale stuff. I do like that we that we're seeing stuff more on the small scale level while there is still. Larger scale stuff going on. Would you say that uh, Solo is small scale? Yeah, um, it's, it was very like much more low scale than uh, than like Rogue One was. Rogue One, yeah, it was kind of a small scale story, but it was still tied into the to the Galactic Civil War, and the Skywalker Saga was all about that stuff. Uh, whereas this, yeah, there's bigger things going on, but it's still focusing primarily on the smaller scale things. Uh, but we got an indication of why the New Republic is struggling to get the Outer Rim under control. It's like, they're trying, but the locals don't want it. It's like, it's like we, you know, we can't do it if we don't get support from the locals. Uh, but, you know, that's it still comes down to it. It's just sort of like... They probably just don't want to be involved in anything. In it's like we were, you know, we had the Empire standing on our necks for 30 years or however long it was. We don't want the, we don't want anybody else around here anymore. Just leave us alone. But uh, it was after uh, that whole scene with uh, Carson and, and them. We then saw Spaceball 1. Yeah, I had to crack that joke because... We saw this long. big Imperial ship just... And it was, like, it was a little bit bigger than what I was, I was expecting it to yeah, be. Yeah, it was bigger it was, than a Star Destroyer. Well, but. and uh, not really bigger, but definitely longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as it's doing this overhead flyby... Just like at the beginning of the first Star Wars movie. Yeah, I was... Well, not as fast, though. Yeah. But I had said, um, we break for, for no one. <laughs> if you have not seen Spaceballs... My God, go see it. Definitely see it. Um, and uh, because Spaceball 1 has it's that as bumper, bumper sticker. <laughs> uh, but then we go onto the, sh- onto the ship where... 
one of the mechanics on Navarro was an Imperial informant. And I knew that he probably was because when the we saw the mechanics going up to the Razor Crest to begin repairs, we saw that one specifically turn around to look at Mando and Baby Yoda before uh, you know turning back to the turning back to the ship. I'm like, you don't linger on something like that without a reason. And yeah, he basically just reports into an Imperial officer that the Razor Crest had been at Navarro that that Mando still had still had the asset as they as the Imperials call the baby. And there's a tracking device now installed on the Razor Crest. And she then goes and reports to Moff Gideon. Who's in a really misty room. With a bunch of like doc like scientists and stuff. And and Gideon is just sort of like, we'll be ready. Uh, and then as you know the officer leaves and and Gideon is sort of overlooking his work, we see that he's in a room filled where they are basically making death troopers. Death troopers we last saw uh, in the Mandalorian in the, during the two-parter. Uh, they were like the elite troops that uh, opened fire on the bar and killed the, the client. They're the ones who blew a bunch of holes in the wall. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you've seen the movies more than the, uh, than, the, than the Mandalorian, you would have seen them in Rogue One. They are essentially stormtroopers with all but some cybernetic enhancements, and they can actually shoot straight. Well, except for uh, what's his face near the end of Rogue One. Uh, I am one with the Force. The I'm force one with is the with Force. Me. Force is with me. Yeah. Uh, where he was walking to the control panel to. Well, that was literally the Force uh, protecting him, which I granted I think is a, an excuse that they have started using for why stormtroopers are such terrible shots. Well, yeah, and like when when he did what he needed to do, that's when the Force was like, "And you're done." Yeah, basically. <laughs> Um, but so like, you know, it it was definitely an indication that we're starting to now see some of the development of the larger scale story going on. Um, because you don't bring the remnant back in when Mando has people out looking for him like Moff Gideon. You don't bring the, bring them back, the, the Imperials back in without, Upping the stakes. Yeah, the stakes are. It looks like they're definitely going up, and I'm honestly wondering uh, if Moff Gideon is taking orders from anybody. Well, that's the. Well, we just don't know. Um, I think it's Thrawn. That's just my guess, though. Yeah, I would love to see a live-action Thrawn, and if it turns out that he is that Gideon is taking orders from somebody higher up, and I have to suspect that he is. You know, he's. He is very highly placed, but he is not the one calling all the shots in the remnant. You know, the, 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 he's just not. I don't. I can't really see that being the case. If he is, okay, I'm happy to be wrong. But I, yeah, if it's Thrawn that he's taking orders from, that that's going to be amazing. I mean, hey, as long as we're bringing characters from Rebels and Clone Wars, Ghost Crew. <laughs> I mean, come on, Bo-Katan, Ahsoka Tano, uh-huh. uh, who else? <laughs> uh, Chopper. <laughs> well, Chopper had a cameo. Yeah, yeah, but we're not counting cameos like that, come on. Well, well like I said, Chopper had a little itty-bitty cameo in Rogue One, mm-hmm. much like what the ghost did. But tell me you wouldn't love to you know, see him show up at uh, 
uh, on Corvus when he when he goes to meet Ahsoka, oh, and God. you know, and or it's just like he's he's looking for Ahsoka and his, and somebody just tells him, you know, you know, this droid can take you take you to her, and then she's like, wah 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 wah. <laughs> that <would be> awesome. <laughs> Give John Favreau a chance to to voice the character again because it was actually him. Doing oh, that it. that was John. <laughs> I believe so. Um, I gotta look that up now. I did have TV tropes open on my phone. Pages. I should be able to figure this out here. I mean, you go ahead and keep talking. This is going to take me a minute. Um, but yeah, that was. I don't know how. Okay, so overall, what did you think of this particular episode? I did. I did like it. Getting to not anything that involves seeing seeing stormtroopers get get killed in creative and inventive ways is always good by me <laughs> well and and seeing Cara Dune getting to kick some ass as the marshal uh, uh in the rem in what had been the the covert's hideout you know because we when we're introduced to her doing her work as the marshal she literally just finds some black marketeers or something that had been holed up in where the Mandalorians had been living the the symbols been had been taken off the wall but there was still like the oh yeah she also she also befriends a weasel care a weasel mm-hmm. it's a little actual like animatronic puppet oh thing. my mistake it wasn't uh, John Favreau it was Dave Filoni doing the voice of uh, Chopper <laughs> oops my mistake still you know it's one of the creators of of Rebels had been doing the voice but you know anyway but, but anyway so she befriends that little critter. Uh, and then at the end of the episode, when she was talking to the uh, the uh, X-wing pilot, um, she's sitting there like tossing it like little treats for it to eat. So I guess now she has a pet. Yeah, I was ha- I was seriously expecting after uh, Kara had rescued rescued the weasel at in the beginning for it to when she set it down after it crawled up on her shoulder. I was half expecting it as it was standing there on its hind legs to then start talking <laughs> to her. I mean, those let's face it, those thugs that she that she killed didn't strike me as the kind to care whether they were about to cut into it, a sentient creature or not. No, they were just hungry. It's like in um, season three for Discovery, uh, <laughs> one of the new characters that got brought in who's like a Han solo smuggler type guy, uh, he has a cat. With a thyroid problem. <laughs> it, so the cat's a little bit bigger than normal. Chunk? Yeah. Very chunk? <laughs> no, not chunk, just big. Ah, okay. And it's, like I said, it's a house cat. Ah, okay. And um, the cat's name is Grudge. <laughs> nice name. Um, so Probably one, so one of, the, and one of Discovery's crew members in the, more cur- in like the new episode for this week, um, she's holding Grudge, and... Uh, Grudge kind of like climbs up on her shoulder and then she leans forward and he's now sitting on her back <laughs> at this point. So I was thinking maybe it was going to be something similar to that. <laughs> or it's just sort of constantly climbing all over her yes. sort of thing. <laughs> well, yeah. one's being a cat, the other one's being a weasel. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it, I, def, I did like this episode. Um, very uh, curious to see where things are going from here. Uh, f- next episode, if, th- if he's actually going to make it to Corvus, or if the uh, or if the remnant's going to try to intercept him en route, my guess is, though, 
the remnants more likely to just let him get to where he's going and then and then go. That would be the smart in. thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, because then they would have essentially have two force users. Ahsoka and the child. Yep, and you know that they're probably looking to get some revenge on Ahsoka because she had been she had been part of Fulcrum. Yes, and that was instrumental in helping uh, the the Rebel Alliance like intelligence network. Yeah, back in the days of uh, Rebels. Well, and after she stopped being Fulcrum, well, I get the impression she never really stopped, but she wasn't like the main person involved in it at least during rebels it then became what's Ezra. his name no the 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 imperial guy with the mutton chops oh i know who you're talking about yeah can't remember his name uh, but yeah cuz he suddenly realized you know the empire's and uh, not nearly as noble as i as i'd initially thought that was just after his episode with um why can't i remember any of the character names. Because it's been a while since you've watched the show. It hasn't really been that long, but... Um, too many the, character names. Yeah, there's just way too much. Heck, I've still got the thing up on my phone. Yeah, <laughs> this was the issue with me watching the uh, CWDC shows. After a while, I was just like... Wait. Zeb, that's right. It was Zeb. After a while, I was just like... I'm like, wait, who was that character again? <laughs> what was well, her name? Oh, Yeah. But it was uh, it was the episode after he and Zeb were stranded on that planet together. Yeah, I and the two of them fi- and the two of them f- sort of reached an understanding and developed a sort of respect for one another. But it was seeing Zeb getting welcomed, you know, found and get, getting the warm welcome from his crewmates. They were just like, "Thank God we found you," you know, kind of thing. And then when he gets, and then when the Imperial gets back, they're just sort of like, "Good to have you back." And then just. That, that was, was it. it. Yeah, he was. He suddenly realized, I don't have. I don't have that same camaraderie that they do. I don't have friends. This sucks. <laughs> I don't have friends. I have coworkers. <laughs> um, I would like to see since, um, since they're doing a lot more development of other aspects of the Star Wars universe. Not necessarily something that makes the Empire itself more sympathetic, but something that gives that sort of humanizes like a stormtrooper or something. They sort of did that with um, with Finn in the in the sequel trilogy, but he was like a stormtrooper for like only like the first quarter of the movie, and then you know, and then he and then he dropped his his colors as it were and joined the resistance. I mean, seeing as how he did say that, and this goes true with the Empire. Stormtroopers also is the fact that they're technically uh, abducted from mm. kids. We don't know that that was necessarily the case during the Empire. During the First Order, it certainly was. But um, the Empire, I don't know. It could be that they just had recruiting offices open, like we saw in Solo. Yeah, because Solo did say that he wanted to become an uh, Imperial pilot, and I still say... And then he ended up being a being a ground pounder instead. <laughs> there's, there's a deleted scene with the movie that actually shows him, it shows the reason why he was kicked out and why he was essentially turned into a ground grunt. Um, and uh, I wish that they would uh, have finished the scene and inserted it because I feel like it was kind of important to see. Like, it seems like it's something that should not have been cut out of the mm. film. Well... That's something we can talk about, you know, like off, off uh, mic sort of thing. Because 
it's pro- not very relevant to Mandalorian for the Mando cast. But like I said, um, something I do like that they're showing not everybody in the Empire is a completely heartless bastard like Dr. Pershing. It strikes me as just somebody who's who got got too deep before he realized just how how messed up things were, and now he can't get back. And now he can't get out because they're watching him too closely, kind of thing. Yeah, because like, he he empathizes too much too much with like the subjects, as it were. I think he, compared to other scientists that we've that we've seen in the. I think he's kind. It's kind of conflicting for him because. He wants to leave, but at the same time, the Empire has better resources than what he could get elsewhere. Yeah, it's true. It's just like, I'm doing this for the science. I'm not happy about some of the things that I have to do for the science, but where else am I going to get going to get access to this kind of equipment? Nowhere else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to know whether what they were building in, or what they were creating in that lab. Um, I, I'm calling it right now. It's got to be like early snow clones. Mm-hmm. But a part of me is also thinking of the uh, the failed Ripley clones from the fourth Alien film. <laughs> like the room, that, they, that, the yeah. room that those damn things may have all been called H.R. Geiger's uh, House of Horrors. You mean like the rest of the Alien movies aren't from his House of Horrors? I, I don't. I don't know. But I think those clones were scarier than anything else in the other movies. I mean, it's. That's where, you know, again, you know, well, when, when you're talking like horror stuff like that, it's like less is more because the less detail you show, the more your mind fills in the details and what your mind comes up with is always going to be scarier. Actually, you know what? I would like to see a horror episode of the Mandalorian. As if the spiders weren't? I mean, the spiders, we saw those in Rebels. But, but, but him, him dealing with something like a xenomorph. Not a xenomorph itself, but something that's hunting him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that would be interesting. I don't know that this season would have would be good for that. Maybe season three. It's like he has to, they, they have to go land on some planet or crash on some planet, and there's something there that decides to start hunting because it smells good eating under under all that Beskar. Was this, I can't remember was this, uh, Assange Ventress killed in Clone Wars or did they just like? I don't remember. Because I, I could have sworn she died at least like twice, but you know, it turns out nope, she didn't die that time. Nope, she didn't die that time either. So I don't know what's going because on with her. I, I think that would be another interesting character to bring back. I agree. You know, as you know, they're bringing all sorts of characters and concepts back from like Clone Wars and uh, and Rebels. There's so much that they could that they could do, but I'm liking that it's fairly light on Jedi. Stuff, you know, yeah, you've got Baby Yoda and his Force stuff, and yeah, he's trying, and yeah, Mando's trying to find Jedi that he can leave Baby Yoda with, but at the same time, it's just like there, the 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 Jedi stuff is less important. That's one, probably one of the reasons why I like the two uh, Star Wars story films, mm-hmm. Rogue One and Solo, is because, granted, yes, with the exception of Darth Vader, there's not really any Force users in the films. Nope. And Vader was reduced to essentially a side character in Rogue One. Well, he he had he was in two scenes and he stole both of them. <laughs> the first one where he just effortlessly shuts down all of uh, Director Krennic's. Uh, uh, pro- on your own ambitions. <laughs> well, you know, it's not, before before even that is Krennic's trying to basically give excuses. Vader just completely shuts him down. It's just sort of like, no, you're we're not, you're 
your project's not going to claim credit for what happened to Jetta. That was that was the result of a mining accident, you know. And you know, he and yeah, just completely shuts it down. It's like Tarkin's Tarkin gets to keep control over over the Death Star, and, so, and he's just and then of course that scene in Rogue One. <laughs> Scene where you find out just what he, you know, this is what Vader does, and this is why everyone is terrified of him. <laughs> it was an awesome scene. At the same time, you're like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> it was an awesome hallway scene. That was that's that's, that's the sure. only one that tops it was Maul in season seven of Clone Wars. Oh God, yes, <laughs> that was his version of the of the Rogue One hallway scene, and it was just as terrifying. <laughs> Didn't even need a lightsaber. <laughs> We just needed the force in the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, so but it goes a long way to explaining why force users are kind of t- are kind of scary at the, you know, especially the dark side ones because you they don't, don't know what they're going to do to you. And seeing like, I mean, they could rip you apart without laying a finger on you. They can, you know, you try to attack them and none of your your hits land. And if they want to, they can just reach inside your head and make you do what they want or pull out whatever they want from your from your brain. So, any, any predictions that you, on, uh, or anything that you hope that they're going to show in the next episode? Next episode, I'm not sure, because we all thought we were going to see Ahsoka in this episode. Yeah, but I thought about it afterwards, and I was like, no, they're not going to show her right away. They're going to build it up. They're going to build it up towards the two-part finale, most likely. Um, but what hap- what's going to happen in the next couple episodes? I have no idea. I honestly don't. It's possible that maybe he does make contact with her, but they get separated before he can leave the baby. And he spends like an episode or two on the run before finale. And then... She's going to call him Master Yoda. I, I, I just know that she's going to call him something. Because I don't know if we're gonna, she knows that Yoda died during the events of Return of the Jedi. It's one of those things I have to imagine that Force users who knew him, that survived the Purge... Probably felt death. Probably felt his death. But, yeah. um, This was a good episode. Starting to move the larger plot forward. And we're both looking forward to to next week. Now, uh, next week... You'll be out of town. Yeah, I'm going on vacation next week and I won't be... Going to visit family. Um, I'm... Well, my family lives much more locally, although we're not getting together because COVID. Uh, no, no, they say parties in groups of 25 only. Yeah, but my my mom is immunocompromised. And my sister is pregnant. So we're not we're not getting together for Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know, none of us are, none of us are sick. But we don't want to risk it. Do it via Zoom? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, we're not going to do that. But uh, So I'll still be... Uh, I may end up recording a solo Mando cast for next week. But I'll watch it while I'm away. Yeah, you'll watch it while you're away. Maybe uh, you can sit down and record like a little uh, Mando cast of your own to stick in there for, for it. Or maybe we'll just cover your thoughts before we record for uh, episode six. That'll work. Uh, but yeah, so that's that wraps it up for this uh, Mando cast. So for Chris, I'm Jay. We'll see you next time. This is the way. Thanks for listening to a Bored to Death Mando cast. Be sure to check out all the episodes of The Mandalorian on Disney Plus 
and give us a like and subscribe. This is the way.